Welcome to How to Navigate Your First Contract, brought to you by the APCC MPD and ATS section on medical education. This podcast is a follow-up to a live session held in the Center for Career Development at the ATS 2018 International Conference in San Diego. For those of you that weren't able to join us in person, we hope the following discussion will provide pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine fellows with some high-yield information that will enable you to approach your first contract negotiation as a well-informed job applicant in order to get the position that you want. Let's start by introducing our participants. I'm Mark Edelman. I'm the Chief Fellow in the Division of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine at the NYU School of Medicine, and I'm joined today by Michelle Sharp, a Fellow in Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, Stephen Doyle, another Fellow in Pulmonary and Critical Care Medicine at The Ohio State University College of Medicine, and last but certainly not least, Dr. Jennifer McAllister, President of the APCC MPD and Chair of the ATS Section on Medical Education. Thanks everyone for taking time out of your busy conference schedule, and let's get started. Michelle, tell us a little bit about how a senior fellow might begin to approach his or her first contract negotiation. I think the first thing you have to do is define what your major goals are in the coming year and in five years. It's important to know these goals both professionally and personally because they're going to greatly affect what you're going to negotiate around. You also need to know what support you're going to need to accomplish these goals. Sitting down with your mentor before you start the process will help you to clearly define this. Another thing you need to do is be prepared about the jobs you're looking at. Doing your research on the job, the division, the hospital, and the university, and try to speak to former or current fellows or faculty. We actually created a worksheet uh, that we distributed during our live session uh, to help you uh, prepare uh, for your interviews and contract negotiation, something that we recommend uh, fellows work with, uh, uh, with one of their mentors. Uh, we'll make that available on the uh, ATS website along with this podcast. Steve, what are some of the important ways that a physician contract is different from medical school applications or the residency and fellowship match? That's a great question, Mark. This is one of the first time in all of our training that it hasn't been a completely regimented process moving forward for what's the next step. So as Michelle touched on, the first thing to do is to know what you want. Sit down, talk to your mentor, and figure out what is the most important thing for you going into your job interview. This is going to be your best opportunity to get a job that you really want for what your goals are in the next one to five years. So know what you want and be willing to ask for it. So another important thing is to be flexible when you can, but know where your hard lines are. You're going to be able to be flexible in certain areas, um, but you have to know what your hard stops are or what you won't be able to sacrifice, and only you will be able to answer that for yourself. And finally, when knowing these different areas and having these hard lines, you can try to negotiate and have a win-win scenario between you and your prospective job. That way you can align your goals with the goals of the institution or the practice that you'll be joining to make sure that everyone is in the best scenario to have a happy outcome. Dr. McAllister, in addition to what Steve mentioned, there are some basic terms that trainees may be unfamiliar with but are critical to understanding when reviewing a physician contract. For example, what's an FTE or what's an RVU? An FTE is a full-time equivalent. This is the way an academic institution will describe a physician's 
responsibilities and it really it should equal 100% and this will vary from institution to institution so it's important that you understand exactly what that means before you agree to an employment contract and RBU stands RBU stands for relative value unit and this is a way for an institution to d describe a physician's clinical productivity what other details do you recommend a prospective employee have a good grasp on when reviewing a contract it's important when you're looking at a potential job to understand not only the FTE, but really what are your actual clinical responsibilities when you agree to these positions. And as I mentioned, the distribution of labor will really vary from institution to institution. For example, at one academic institution, a full-time equivalent may be 40 weeks of clinical service. At another institution, it may be 26. Others may expect you to do one clinic per week. Others may expect two. It's also important that you ask about things such as administrative support, such as will you have a secretary to help, will you have office space, um, parking, those types of things that you may not think about in your initial negotiations. Many times academic contracts are inflexible uh, when it comes to core items like salary or even required clinical time, but that doesn't always mean that there isn't room to negotiate on other terms. That's right. There are certain things that a lot of time are going to be fixed, and those could be salary or how much time you're actually going to be spending in the clinical setting. But you do need to look at the other alternatives that are important that could help in your job search. You can look for other benefits like Dr. McAllister mentioned with parking, stipends for conferences, what kind of administrative support are you going to have, are you going to have any office space, um, is there going to be any kind of loan repayment for um, those of us that still have loans, is there going to be CME re reimbursement? Are you going to be able to travel to conferences? Is the institution going to pay for that? Or are there going to be moving benefits or other um, benefits like that that would be available to you? Another thing to look at is are you going to have formal mentorship at your job? Is there going to be someone who's interested in what you're doing and help you navigate through your early career? So some institutions may actually, uh, there may be an expectation that they will provide some type of formal uh, mentoring while you are uh, advancing through your career. Are there any other strategies that job applicants need to consider as they navigate this less formal and more open-ended process compared to the match? I think there are a couple of other things that I would recommend. Even if you believe that you know exactly where you want to end up, you're not going to be in a good position to negotiate if you haven't looked at other opportunities. To be able to argue best for yourself, you need to be comfortable that you have another opportunity to fall back upon, and you really need something else to, to compare your current situation to. It's also important to make sure that you get everything in writing, whether you're negotiating with a private practice or an academic institution. There's no such thing as a gentleman's agreement. You really need to make sure everything is written down. Another thing is to try not to burn bridges. You need to be courteous and responsive, and don't falsely commit. These are individuals that you will likely have a relationship with in the future, and you don't want to leave it in a bad situation. We hope that this discussion can serve as a useful framework for fellows as they begin to plan for this major transition point in their careers. Although we have all worked extremely hard to get to this point in our professional lives, this is a process that is likely totally unfamiliar to the majority of graduating fellows, and that can understandably cause some confusion and concern. Preparation and enlisting the help of a trusted mentor as you navigate this process is crucial. Be sure to take a look at the handouts that accompany this podcast on the ATS website, including our worksheet to help you prepare for your job interviews and subsequent contract negotiations, as well as our top 10 quick tips for a successful contract negotiation. We encourage you to engage in a dialogue with us on Twitter by tagging us at APCCMPD 
at ATS Early Careers or at ATS MedEd. We wish you the best of luck as your training comes to an end and you embark on the next phase of your career. I'd like to thank all of our participants for the great discussion and thank you all for listening.